This morning I want to <coughs> talk about one particular factor or quality of the mind that is one of the most subtle aspects of our practice, but it's one that plays a <coughs> critical role in both the unfolding of our practice and the unfolding of our lives. And the Buddha gave a lot of emphasis to this particular quality. And that is the mental factor of (coughs) intention or volition. It's that factor in the mind which actually gathers all the other mental factors around a specific object and initiates an action. So it's that mind state that wills something to happen. So just as I was walking over this morning, an image came to mind of how this factor works in the mind. Um, It's not found in the texts. (laughs) So I'll just try it out on you and (coughs) maybe it'll work and maybe it won't. (coughs) But <coughs> are you familiar with uh, <coughs> the the kind of dog? Uh, it's called a border collie, and it functions. You know, you see it in sheep farms, and the border collie kind of runs around gathering all the sheep and then gets them going in a particular direction. Uh, and it keeps doing that. You know, it keeps guiding <coughs> uh, this herd of sheep all in a very specific way. Well, that's kind of the function (coughs) of intention or volition in the mind. It gathers all the other factors and keeps them going towards a particular end, (coughs) particular aim, a particular object. So it's that gathering and, and we could say focusing in a particular way on something and initiating the action. So you don't have to hold on to this image too much, but maybe you'll find it helpful as you're watching your mind. There's a lot to say about this, and I'll just speak a few highlights of the kinds of things we can observe. So bodily actions happen because of an intention. Right. If you change position, it's not that the body decided to change. There was some experience, perhaps bodily experience, maybe of discomfort or pain, or something in the body which then is the condition for the intention to move. But the intention is in the mind. Right? And then because of the intention, then we move as you walk through the day, you know, as you're moving through the day, (coughs) you come to a door and you're reaching for the handle. The body doesn't move by itself. It moves because there's seeing, you know, there's understanding of what one has to do to open the door. Then there's an intention to move. And because of the intention, the movement happens. 
So all through the day we can begin to notice, at least on some level, just this cause and effect relationship between the mind and the body (coughs) with intention playing a key role. That it's intention in the mind which initiates the action. And because of the intention, the action happens. It's very helpful to begin to become aware of intentions arising in the mind in a whole array of different situations. Because if we're not aware of the intention, we often find ourselves in the middle of an action before we quite knew how we got there. It's all very automatic. Tension arises, body moves, and there we are. If we can begin to become aware of intention before the action, that opens up the space for wise discernment. You know, the intention arises and then in that space, is this skillful? Is it unskillful? Do I want to follow, you know, on this intention or do I want to let it go? Without that awareness of intention, we are just acting out the patterns of our conditioning. And things get very automatic. Just one example of an arena in which I found this just tremendously helpful, although it's an arena you don't have that much opportunity to practice here, but you will in your life outside, is to notice the intention before speaking. You know, we don't often do that. <clears throat> We're engaged in conversation and the words just seem to tumble out. And sometimes they may be, you know, skillful, sometimes unskillful, but it's just whatever habit patterns of speech have been developed in our lives. So often, you know, in, in becoming aware of the importance of intention, I'll notice an intention to say something And in the noticing of that, uh, there is that space uh, to choose, to say it, to not say it. And in seeing that something may be unskillful and not saying it, that moment of renunciation based on wisdom, there's a much greater sense of ease in the mind and spaciousness. It's like we're not being driven by the momentum of our habits. And all of this comes about because we're aware of the intention to act before the action. The Buddha gave a lot of importance to this because he said that this particular energy or quality of volition in the mind, it's that that aspect of the mind as I, say, as I say, gathers everything to a particular aim and then initiates the action, the Buddha called this particular factor <coughs> that which carries the karmic charge of the action. So in other words, if we're doing something and there's no volition to do it, there's no karma involved. That the karma is contained in the power of, of the volition. 
So it becomes important for us to just begin to understand how this is working in our minds, to begin to practice being mindful of them when we can, and to see the possibility then for making wise choices based on our mindfulness of intention. It's very subtle, it's very quick. Volition or intention is said to be a common factor of mind, which means it's actually arising in every moment. What we want to practice is gradually becoming aware of those moments when it's most predominant. Clearly, you are not going to be able to notice every intention through the day. This is, you know, they're, they're very quick and sometimes very subtle. Sometimes they're, <coughs> they're not predominant. But <coughs> I'd like to suggest <coughs> two, <coughs> two, two areas um, of investigation. You might pick a few very noticeable and specific activities where you make a point of uh, even pausing before you act. So you give yourself the space to acknowledge there's an intention to move. So for example, you might You might consider doing that uh, in every action of turning. Right? You're walking, whether in walking meditation or walking through the building, you're walking. The body by itself doesn't turn. <coughs> it turns because there's a, this volition in the mind turn, and then the body turns. So that's a very noticeable action. You could practice just highlighting the intention before the movement every time you turn. And you'll begin to see, <coughs> first it may be very mechanical and even feel a little artificial, but as you continue doing it, <coughs> you'll begin to settle into the actual mechanism you know, of this mind-body cause and effect relationship. You'll begin to feel, oh yeah, the, the mind, the volition in the mind, than the movement. It could be before you reach for something. Now, every time you reach, can you be aware of the intention before the reaching? So just pick, as I say, one or two very noticeable <coughs> activities that happen through the day and begin to be aware and, and perhaps to note, if that's helpful, the intention before the movement. You can be aware of intention uh, on a lot of different levels. It, it manifests to us in different ways. On the, on the most obvious level, and perhaps not that frequently, but sometimes it will arise as a particular thought in the mind, right? the thought to turn or the thought to reach. So that's, that's an indication that intention is about to become operative. 
often it's not in the form of a thought. Uh, there's something which I call the about to moment. You know, it's that moment before the action happens in which you know that you're about to do it. And so that about to moment is the moment in which intention is operating. So with whatever particular activities you're choosing to explore in this way, so you're walking, 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 about to turn, turning. And so kind of highlight that about to moment. And in that, in that momentary space, you may begin to get a sense of the volition involved. And you're about to, and then the turning. Sometimes people feel it on an energetic level, you know, and sometimes it can just be felt as a, before the, before the action happens, some kind of welling up of energy to do, you know, before, before it actually starts, but kind of a buildup of that energy to actually initiate the action. So I offer these suggestions just as a, a bit of a framework, but explore for yourself how you experience it. Realize that there's always an intention before these bodily actions and just explore, take interest in that moment. And begin to see that as you become aware of it, you actually have a choice. It opens that space for discernment. Is the action skillful? Is it not skillful? That's the power of being mindful of intention before the action happens. The hand reaches for the second dessert. (laughs) Does it already have the dessert before we're aware of the intention to move or not? If we're aware of the intention, we bring some wisdom. Yes, I need this dessert. (laughs) There's another aspect of intention, another way we experience it, which I found exceedingly interesting. Because it reveals, can reveal, how much of our sense of self, the strongly held view of self, of I, (coughs) comes about because we are unknowingly identified with this very subtle mental factor. Or even as we have been working with more obvious aspects of experience, (coughs) you know, bodily sensations or sounds, (coughs) or even thoughts and emotions, we might begin to get at least some sense that they're arising and passing due to causes, and maybe we're getting glimpses of their impersonal nature. So even as we may begin to be seeing that and understanding the selflessness of these different aspects of experience, (coughs) very often the sense of self 
arises strongly in, in that well, I'm the one doing things. I'm the one choosing to do things. You know, we're the actor in the whole show. To the degree that we can begin to hone in on intentions and really become mindful of them, we see that intentions themselves are also part of this impersonal process. The intention itself arises out of causes. It fulfills its function. You know, to gather all the factors and to initiate an action. That intention also is not I, not self, not mine. <coughs> Where this became most clear to me, and can be quite interesting for you to uh, explore, comes out of the understanding that, <coughs> for example, in walking, there is not simply a single intention that initiates the action, but intention is arising in each moment and it keeps the, keeps the movement going. So any, at any point in that movement of walking, at any point in which the intention stopped, the movement would stop. So the example this is another example of how it works. It's like an electric current running a motor. Intention is like the, the, that flow of electrons, the current of electricity. It needs to keep going for the motor to keep going. You know, you pull out the plug and the motor stops. In the same way, intention is an ongoing flow that keeps the movement going along. So the first exploration you might do, and this is particularly interesting in walking meditation, but it's really in any movement. As you're doing walking meditation, just mm, begin to play. You know, this is not making a big project of it, but just taking interest. You're walking and see if you can connect with the fact that there was an intention to start moving and see if you can begin to get a sense that yes, this intention needs to keep going in order for the movement to continue. You know, and you, you might play with right in the middle of a step, uh, what happens if, if the intention stops? You know, if, if you no longer have that intention, what will happen to the movement? And you might see that the movement stops. So uh, just explore this for yourself. Uh, it may be clear to you. It may at first not be so clear. That's fine. You're just, you're just beginning this investigation of how this factor is working. So that, this is the first step. Uh, <coughs> So this is in addition to, to becoming aware of the intention which simply initiates the action, the about to. This is about the continuing flow of intention. If you get to the point where you're walking and you have some, uh, some sense 
of this experience of just uh, intention is flowing along, keeping the movement going, you know, and it feels somewhat easeful for you in that understanding. The next step, and this is what I found so interesting, is then to give a little more emphasis in the mindfulness to let the movement go to the background and see if you can give a little more emphasis of the mindfulness being aware of that flow of intention itself. You know, and so the, the flow of intention becomes uh, your primary interest. What was so striking to me when I did this, and I was doing it in the walking meditation, you know, so going along, uh, noticing that the flow of intentions keeps the movement going, and then settling into the awareness not in, not in a, a very specific way, in kind of just a general, a general awareness of the intention, of that flow. What was very striking was the understanding of the impersonal nature of that whole flow of intention. It was just like a little motor, you call a little mind motor, going along, keeping the, keeping the movement going, and this motor of intention was happening all by itself. It was just going along, fulfilling its function, began to get a sense of, yes, intention, this flow of intention is also not I, not mine, not myself. It's just this, it's just this factor of mind fulfilling its function. So one yogi, when I was teaching in Denmark, they came up with what I felt was a very good phrase describing intention. Uh, (coughs) They called it (coughs) the mechanism of agency. You know, so agency in this sense means what is it that keeps things going? Who's... Who's acting? Who's the actor in all this? And what we begin to see is this mechanism of agency, the way things keep going. The mechanism is the working of intention. So this hopefully gives you some sense both of of the importance, the subtlety, the uh, hopefully it inspires some interest just to begin to explore. If it feels, you know, in anything I said, <coughs> if it just feels confusing or you're not quite sure what I'm talking about, fine. Don't 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 struggle with this. Take in whatever I said, take whatever was useful as a possible avenue of investigation. If there was nothing useful, just let it go. You can always you know, continue the dialogue uh, with your teacher. Um, 
Yeah, so hold, hold it with interest, but also hold it lightly. So it doesn't become a cause of struggle uh, in your practice.
Do you have any questions either about the instructions or your practice? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so certain bodily functions seem to be going on without an agent, like the heartbeat or the breathing, and in terms of bodily movement, the agent is there. Um, so as I said, the, the intention is actually there in each moment. Uh, it's often not the predominant object. Uh, and so I would not try to catch the intention for each heartbeat. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can't say authoritatively. <laughs> One does read of uh, certain yogis who have the ability to stop what seems to be autonomous mental functions, uh, bodily functions. What's going on there, I don't really know. Uh, I don't think it's a good idea to try to stop one's heartbeat. <laughs> uh, so, if you can leave that as an open question, <laughs> and really, uh, hone in on those intentions, as you say, that are obvious and that have an importance with regard to the discernment about which actions to do and which actions not to do. So it has a very functional uh, value. The others are interesting questions, but... So the question, if I understood it correctly, was about the planning mind. And even though in the planning it's not about initiating an action right then, it is planning an action. And it's the question, is it intention that's at work in that? Or? Yeah, yeah. The way I would understand that is... And this, again, brings the awareness of intention down to an even more subtle level, which we may be able to pick up, and maybe not, you know. But at times, one can actually be aware of the intention to think before the thought happens. You know, so when the mind is very quiet and still, you know, sometimes we just pick up the about-to moment for thinking. So in that sense one could be aware of the intention for the planning mind. But the planning mind itself I don't see as a function of intention. You know, the content of it is not a function of intention. That's other mental formations of work. But the intention is what keeps the planning mind going.
not related to the content. Uh, again, start with what's easy, you know, because this is a very subtle domain with lots of layers and levels. So we just wanted, I, I just wanted to put it out this morning you know, to begin to open up the doorway to whatever exploration you find interesting. But don't, don't, don't look for the most difficult, subtle aspect right away. Wait till tomorrow. Okay, so what to do when the mind is grabbing on to the same old story again and again and again. Uh, the first thing I would look at is when the mind latches onto it, each time does it bring a kind of emotional charge with it or not? Okay. So if there's an emotional charge, then, and perhaps you're already doing this, I would uh, ease off from the noting or the noticing of the thought and actually make whatever the emotion is the object of the mindfulness. So maybe it's anger or sadness or resentment or love or whatever, you know, because if we're not aware of the, we're not mindful of the emotion connected with that story, it's just like an underground spring and it'll keep feeding it. And I think that's why it keeps coming back. Uh, so we just kind of, you know, open up the frame a little bit and feel what the emotion is in the mind and body. And noting could be really helpful there, you know, noti- noting the emotion. And particularly paying attention to how you're relating to the emotion. Because, for example, if it's an unpleasant emotion, you know, resentment or anger, if we're attempting to be mindful, but we're opening to it with that in order to mind, we're open to it in order for it to go away, that's just feeding it. It'll keep it locked in. So the practice here becomes becoming mindful of what the emotion is and looking at how the mind is relating to it. Do you follow? With stories that have arisen 10 million times and no longer have an emotional charge, right? It's just... It's just the repetition of the old story again. A different strategy could be used. And in that, sometimes it's very helpful to find that place in the mind uh, of the gentle, firm, loving no. You know, because a lot of our practice is about yes. Yes, open to accept, allow, 
be with, but with very repetitive things that no longer carry the charge. It's just, it's just that habit of mind that's going through the same thing again and again. We've seen it so often, we've learned everything we have to learn about it. No, enough. So sometimes, sometimes I'll, when I see that happening, I say, oh, enough. But the key to that is not doing it with aversion. You know, it's like, it's almost like you would, you know, if you have a young child who's about to do something that's, that's harmful, you say, no, you know, that's, that's not good. And you could, you might be very firm, but it's loving, you know. That's, that's the quality we can bring in those situations. But it sounds like, from what you described, there's still things to learn about how you're relating to the emotion. Okay, so the question was about if I could talk about what in the past I've called channel zero, which is the space, just to, to speak broadly, we, we might say the space in which things are arising. And so this could be a whole long talk, uh, which I'll probably do at some point for just one little one little practice you might do. When you're sitting or walking and you become aware of hearing, so that's a very effortless, right? The sound arises and we hear it. And there's not this really no effort involved in that. And so what I found just as an interesting it's an interesting investigation of the nature of awareness. Sometimes in hearing, especially if it's continuing for a bit, not just a sudden sound, I'll sometimes ask the question in my mind, can I find what's knowing the sound? Okay, because the sound is being known, it's, it's very clear. The sound is being heard. Can I find what's knowing it? So that's an interesting question, and just then to look. And you might find, you might find that there's nothing to find, and yet the hearing is still going on. So it just, it begins to explore that, that the empty nature of awareness. That's the the one minute hour talk. <laughs> okay, uh, have fun. Oh yes, announcements. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org/donate.